0: Well, thank you, Pastor Joe. It, it's unusual for me to call Joe pastor because he and I were colleagues for many, many years at the university. And I'm so grateful to see you in this role, to see your ministry extended uh, across this community and, and delighted to be able to be with you here. I, um, I wanna take just a moment to express my thanks and appreciation to this church for decades of support and relationship with Pasadena College and Point Loma Nazarene University. Uh, This relationship with PASNAZ is long and significant. And across the decades, I am so grateful for your partnership with the university, the students that you have sent, and the work that you have helped us accomplish. Uh, Point Lomas had um, considerable change in the past uh, 15 years. We are now an institution of just under 5,000 students. Uh, We operate in five different campuses, our main campus, Uh, on the point right there in San Diego. And we have a campus in Bakersfield for graduate studies. Uh, We have a brand new campus uh, just off of the 163 uh, and Balboa, our Balboa Regional Campus. It is the new College of Health Sciences that is there at that campus. And we have another campus out in Mission Valley for our graduate and adult work, and also a campus just uh, three miles from the main campus where our School of Nursing is located. And that network of campuses is working and uh, really accomplishing incredible uh, opportunities for God to be at work with our students. The University Promise is around... Uh, working with students to fully become who God is calling them to be. And the richness of that work lived out in Christian higher education is what I, I love giving my work and self to in these days. Next week is the last week of the semester, then exams. And uh, two weeks from yesterday, we will graduate uh, 818. <clears throat> and 18 graduates, which will be in addition to the 650 that graduated in December, and then we will soon be moving to a new university year. Pray for us and pray for our students, both as they prepare to leave and then start again. I'm grateful for all that you have meant to us over these years. Well, it's a privilege to be here. It's been a long time with these COVID centuries that we have experienced uh, since I've been here. Looking back, it's been three years and so very grateful to be with you today. The uh, passage today that um, was referenced in the, the bulletin is out of John 20. And the 20th chapter of John is really a wonderful revelation of the, Chris, of the Christmas, of the Easter story. And you recall that it begins early on the first day of the week. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, John, the, the one whom Jesus loved, John, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. And that's the story of the Easter morning. In the church calendar, this is the second Sunday of Easter and our Orthodox friends across the world, this is their Easter celebration today. And the message this morning is Easter's over. Now what? And John in his 20th chapter provides the setting of tying that first Sunday of Easter and this second Sunday of Easter together. And I'd like to share a little bit about that as we think about what's next after Easter. I I have to admit as we read through this scripture and and I look at my own experiences, the celebration that happened is with us now in celebrating the risen Lord in our time and our experience. But the first Sunday of Easter was not that way. Mary comes, the tomb is empty, grave clothes are there. She runs to Peter and John And there is a furious sense of what is going on, what's happened to Jesus, who's taken him, where is he, what happens now. I have to admit that in my time and my day, the celebration of Easter is captured with Worship together, the opportunity to be with family. And you know the traditions, the chocolate bunnies and the chocolate eggs and ham and whatever else makes your Easter dinner. And there's this great celebration that occurs as we recognize, celebrate, and again commit our lives in service and worship to Christ. But I have to be very honest and say, particularly in my work in higher education and this sense of coming to the end of the semester, that after Easter, Monday comes and I go right back to a busyness, to work, to all the activities that are pointing me toward this wrap up of this. And it is one of the most intense and busy times of life. Perhaps that way for you as well. Sunday's here. Monday comes, and we're right back at it. The scripture from John 20 kind of helps point the realities of that first Easter with the lessons of what Jesus is going to be teaching and that the disciples are living between these two Sundays of the first and second Sundays of Easter. John tells us that as the word spread, that the tomb was empty, the disciples, except Thomas, whom we all know wasn't with them, gathered together in a house. One of the features of the first Sunday of Easter is that the disciples gathered together in a house, as John says, with all the doors locked. There there wasn't a sense of celebration, but John says it was out of fear. I'm sure that the rumors were circulating with the Jewish leaders that the tomb was empty and they didn't know what had happened. They hadn't done anything and they couldn't find out who had. And if you read a little between the lines in Scripture no doubt those authorities were trying to suppress the story of Jesus being gone. What did it mean? What about the promises? What about what he had been teaching? What would they do as now the leaders following their actions? But John tells us in this locked house, this secure place, in verse 19, John says, Sometime in the evening of that first Easter, Jesus came and stood among them, among the disciples, and simply said, Peace be with you. I, I love reading scripture and learning from it, and, and as I reflect upon the disciples and what they had been experiencing, it wasn't chocolate bunnies and Easter eggs and all the kinds of things that oftentimes mark some of our day, but they were there. They knew the reports of the empty tomb. They were confused. There were challenges about their safety. They didn't know what was next. They probably knew the Jewish authorities would soon be after them as well. And the question surely must have been, what are we going to do now? So in the presence of locked doors and gathered together, Jesus comes and stands among the disciples. Now, there are a lot of parts of Scripture that I wish had a little more writing. I want to know, how did Jesus get there? Did he walk through the door for a dramatic effect? Did he materialize like Captain Kirk in Star Trek, and he was before them, and suddenly there? Did he just instantaneously appear and stand there for a while? Who saw him first? What did the person who saw him first say? Was he there observing? And the disciples were so caught up in their own problems that he was there a long time before they even noticed. And I could go on. I have so many questions about that. But as I read and thought about that, as interesting as those questions might be to me, John doesn't deal with anything like that because those are unimportant. How Jesus got there, if he came like a dove, if he walked through the door, if there was a teletransporter, it doesn't matter because John wants us to know the important and main point is that Jesus is alive And Jesus is present with us now. In these moments of confusion and challenge and need and uncertainty and threat and struggle, John wants us to know that Jesus has in fact risen and that he is present with the disciples and by extension with us as well. And as soon as he is recognized, however, that happens, he says, Peace be with you. The phrase, Peace be with you, is is referenced to an Old Testament kind of statement and blessing. It's a messianic hope, it is the peace and shalom statement of the promise of the Messiah. When I read that experience that the disciples shared with Jesus, It is the reality that Jesus now in this moment with the peace be with you hope promise of the messianic promise throughout the Old Testament and across history is now present before the disciples as the Messiah. And he ties together the hope of a Messiah coming with the promise of God and the purpose of God for all the rest of time. And this chapter in John expresses that pivot point of hope, promise, and future that God has designed for each of us. There's a verse that's referenced today in the scripture out of Psalm 118, verse twenty two and it simply says the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. I, I love this passage in the context of John because it it really is that reference that is often seen in scripture about cornerstone. If you know anything in terms of this reference about building and cornerstone, the cornerstone is the, the, the stone that pulls together and secures the parts of the building. It is what gives the structure integrity. And in, in this passage in Psalms, the reference to the coming of the Messiah as the cornerstone is this locking, linking Connecting structural reality, that all that has been promised is about to be tied that all tied to all that God is yet to do, and Jesus is that reality of the Cornerstone. The religious leaders of the day had rejected him. He is not who he says. He is not a Messiah. And in fact, crucified him. But now, John tells us, he is risen and before us. And the greeting of peace be with you links history with reality and the hope of all that is to come. But to be sure that the disciples believe in that moment, John tells us that Jesus invites these disciples again, obviously without Thomas, to look at his wounds. He is, in fact, present before them with the wounds of his hand and the wound of his side, and he invites them to confirm that the Jesus who is risen is, in fact, before them. And that's John's summary of Easter Sunday, not as a celebration but is a movement from friday's dreary dread of a day to now what will be the foundation of god's work among us going forward in verse 21 jesus moves from his appearance that confirms his resurrection and establishes for the disciples his plan for what now comes next so easter is about over that first sunday of the risen lord is about to conclude and jesus turns to his disciples after the confirmation of who he is and lays out in a very simple plan what's next and here's what jesus says just As the Father has sent me, I am now sending you, my disciples. Whether you got it or not, these past three years, we have been preparing for this moment. And now go, now begin, now minister. And if you read through Scripture, you see those patterns that the disciples began not immediately, but eventually to move into their areas of teaching, preaching, healing, and ministry. And so Jesus sends his disciples. The second thing that John describes is that Jesus breathes on his disciples. That phrase is maybe just a little odd in terms of how we might interpret breathing, uh, particularly coming out of COVID, um, um, but Jesus breathed on them. It's that same breath of life uh, reference uh, that, that is present in the creation. It is the empowering presence and spirit Of God. So Jesus breathes upon them to receive the Holy Spirit so that they will be empowered to do the ministry that He is calling them to take. Whatever and however that happens to move, take now and receive the Holy Spirit. And and finally, in this passage in John, Jesus instructs the disciples, really instructs us as the church to carry out the work of forgiveness. He empowers the church, he empowers us to acts of forgiveness, of inclusion, of care, of ministry, of restoration, of hope, of door of hope. What what a story of power, of what we are called to do and to be to our neighbors, to our community, to those both near and far, that we are called as disciples of this risen Jesus to make a difference and intervene through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. These charges that are given to the disciples are given so that they would move beyond this moment. You remember they entered this in fear, and then Jesus arrives, and now they must go and begin what they have been preparing to do. Uh, Again, I wish John would have filled in Scripture just a little more. He really doesn't say much between Easter and the second Sunday of Easter. If I were John, you'd have a lot more material to work with. You'd know what they did. You'd know where they went. I suspect some of them went back to maybe doing what they were doing before Jesus called them out. I'm guessing some of them got their boats and went fishing, and I'm guessing some of the others were about different daily activities trying to figure out what now. Where do we do? How can we actually fulfill these instructions that Jesus has just given us? But the second Sunday of Easter is coming, and this time we all know who's there. Thomas. I don't know what he was doing. I'm sure it was good work the first Sunday, Maybe he was scouting out what the uh, Jewish leaders and authorities were doing, providing recon for the disciples. I don't know. John should have told us, but he didn't. But this time, John does tell us, Thomas is here with the other disciples. And once again, the door is locked, but John significantly doesn't say, They are gathered in fear. I I, I believe that there was the developing hope and the promise of doing the call of Jesus throughout that first week. And so when the disciples gather now, it's not in fear, even though the doors are still locked, but it is in a sense of preparation. And once again, Through locked doors, Jesus is present. Jesus goes right to the heart of the issue. And I can almost see he he appears, and the group is here, and I can almost see him moving directly to Thomas and going, All right, there it is. Look at my hands. See the wound in my side. Place your fingers in the scarred holes of my hand and touch my side. It's interesting that John doesn't say Thomas immediately stood, went, and touched. What he did was to cry out, My Lord and my God. It is the affirmation of belief, of conviction, of hope, and of recognition that the risen Lord is present as God working among us here. I know Thomas over the centuries has kind of gotten the bad rap as the doubter. But the story of Thomas is not so much about doubt. The story of Thomas is, is a lesson for us in our time and in our day. Because Jesus in this passage says to Thomas, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. That's us. That's who we are. We have the ability to believe in the risen Jesus. Even though we have not seen, even though the scars have not been visible, we've not touched his side, we have the promise, the hope, and the reality that we may believe because of the witness and the confirmation and the very presence of Jesus before these that we might now accept this risen Jesus. And live for him. It is, in fact, Jesus saying that through the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the risen Lord, you may also know him and do my work. In John 20, verses 30 and 31, John writes this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these accounts are written that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The answer this morning about Easter's over, so what's next, is the call of Jesus given to his disciples, which now we also, across the ages, are able to receive. Jesus sent his disciples as he sends us. Jesus breathed on them that they might be filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to do the call of Jesus in every place, in every community, in every person that we encounter so that we might minister hope, forgiveness, and the love of Christ to a world in need more than we have ever seen in our lives. What's next after Easter? It is the call and work and purpose of the risen Jesus to all that we encounter. May God help us and bless us. May he breathe upon us through the Holy Spirit to be his people in this time.